you have now created a inherent loss of stability, which you love your stability. So you've lost the stability in your foot. And because the deep foot muscles actually connect to your pelvic floor and your deep core muscles, I'm now dealing with someone with a destabilized pelvis. So you now have knee pain, hip labral stress, SI joint pain, adductor spasms, groin pain. Go every direction if you want to go distal or proximal to the pelvis of other issues that could be transferred from that. So I'm all about intrinsic foot. And I'm very much about intrinsic core muscles and how they have to both be functioning and connected. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN Nutrition is powered by Superstarch and delivers that steady, long-lasting energy without the spike and then the crash. I had to take a moment out of this episode to share with you how the Healthy Runner snacks during the day, that being me. I don't know if you're like me, but I will never pass on a good snack, and that is why I wanted to share with you some innovative food products that help you fuel smarter and curb cravings anytime while maintaining blood sugar and boosting energy. UCAN's healthy snacks are enhanced with super starch and crafted with healthy ingredients. This has been a game changer to curb those cravings between meals for me and my clients. I absolutely love the almond butter and it pairs so well with some honey wheat pretzel sticks, apple slices, or medjool dates. Their granola is absolutely phenomenal. The only thing you will need to do is set some portion control because it tastes so good you'll want to keep going back in the bag for more. Since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, as always, you will get 20% off all of your orders at UCAN.co. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order. Go ahead and give this healthy snack a try, and believe me, you will thank me after when you feel better about your snacking habit. Hello and welcome to episode 116 on the Healthy Runner podcast where we help you get stronger run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. So today we have a very special guest with us today. We have Dr. Emily Splickle, who is a podiatrist and a human movement specialist, um, is the mind behind Naboso with a spirit to challenge conformity. Dr. Splickle has taken her conventional podiatric medical degree and combined it with years of experience and expertise in human movement and sensory science to found Naboso. 
Dr. Splickle believes that our experience in this world is built around sensory stimulation and our ability to process, perceive, and integrate this information effectively. Since 2012, Dr. Splickle has been traveling the world to share her unique approach to human movement, foot function, and barefoot science. Having taught in 35 countries and to 20,000 professionals, Dr. Splickle has quickly become a global leader in barefoot training and rehabilitation. So we are very fortunate to have her on the show today. Dr. Splickle, Thank you so much for accepting my invite to come on the show. I'm so excited to be here, Dwayne, with all of your listeners. <laughs> we are super excited. We're super grateful. Um, so guys, in this episode, we are going to be chatting about some common questions we get within our healthy runner community when it comes to foot muscle activation, strengthening, as well as recovery. We know how important it is to recover as runners. So if you're a runner who has ever suffered from foot pain, ankle pain, whether it's plantar fasciitis, Morton's neuroma, posterior tibial tendonitis, Achilles pain, all the common culprits we talk about often, this is going to be super beneficial for you. Uh, we are going to really do a deep dive today. We're going to cover the importance of foot stability uh, for runners. We're going to talk about what is sensory stimulation and how you can reduce foot pain. We're going to also talk about how we can, as runners, prevent the old dreaded bunion progression. So we don't need surgery. Um, and then we're going to talk about Ken Neboso products help Morton's Neuroma. And then what are the benefits of toe spacers? I know many runners use toe spacers. So we're going to talk about, you know, are there any benefits to these? Like, are we using them just because we're using them or what is the actual benefit? So we have the expert here today, guys. So I am really, really excited about this, uh, Dr. Splickle. And on the show, um, just like you believe in movement, um, we are big fans of moving to warm up as runners. So we always do a dynamic warm up uh, with all of our guests uh, to really share a little bit about them. I shared your formal bio. So can you tell the listeners kind of, you know, where you call home and give us a bit more backstory on how you really got to this point in your career? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again. Thank you to all the listeners. Uh, so I am actually new to Arizona. I am, I've been here about a year. Before that, I was living in New York City, smack in the middle of Manhattan for 20 years. I practiced there okay. for 10 years. So it was a very specific type of patient being in a very walking based city. So I, I definitely saw unique injuries. But even before podiatry, my background was in fitness. Um, I was a competitive gymnast for 13 years. And then I got into fitness. Uh, I've actually been in the fitness industry for over 20 years as personal trainer, group exercise. And now I have an education company for fitness professionals, as well as physical therapists and health and wellness professionals. But when it comes to feet, and movement, the aspect that I am very passionate about is sensory stimulation. I love to talk about human movement, but the aspect of joints and muscles and a very physics-based approach doesn't really change. The part of human movement that is continuously being explored and is changing and evolving of what we understand 
is that that is neurological based, nervous system based. Um, if the, the listeners are familiar with fascia, fascia is actually a new topic within health, wellness, and medicine, where before people didn't really understand what that tissue was and how powerful it was. So that's just an example of really how neuroscience or sensory science has shifted into health and wellness. Wow, that's definitely very interesting. And one thing that I like about your your trajectory with your career, and you know, I find some similarities with myself as starting out as kind of a traditional physical therapist, and then kind of went the academia route, PhD, all of that, and you know, now now I'm kind of doing a lot of coaching itself, right, and run coaching and really blending that health aspect in, you know, with running plans and with strength programs and with movement. And I, I love that you are a podiatrist, but you really focus on the movement part because the foot is connected to the rest of the body. Last time I checked, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just the foot in isolation down by itself. Um, and yeah, I would imagine with your gymnastics background. So I had a daughter who did um, over 10 years gymnastics and I wound up specializing for probably like five years of my career in gymnastics medicine and mm -hmm. gave a bunch of talks, did some research um, down that realm. So, you know, gymnasts being barefoot all the time and they need good foot function and it's so important for their movement. And I'm sure some of that um, experience that you've had in your life has impacted the way you probably look at the body, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I actually got into fitness, podiatry movement through the barefoot avenue. Uh, and when I graduated from podiatry school and really started on the education circuit was at the height of the barefoot running boom. So all the yep. runners, right? The born to run and the five fingers, Nike free, all of that was kind of the, the peak of when I was just first entering really into this industry. And I actually left residency, my podiatry surgical residency to go back to school and I went to AT Still, you'd mentioned that offline before we started recording. And I went back to AT Still to get my master's in human movement. And I focused on barefoot science. So that really helped me create this connection between traditional podiatry, my fitness background, my movement background with a master's looking at barefoot science. And it, it really connected all of really how I now look at feet and function. Yeah, it makes sense. And I love how you just kind of integrated all of those things and to do what you do now. And you share some really great content um, in all of your platforms that I've seen. Um, I guess I will honestly, how I really got introduced to you was actually at our National Physical Therapy Conference. And I was there and Nabosa was there in the uh, exhibit hall. And I was very intrigued by the product line. And I'm always looking for ways that, you know, I can help my runners with their foot ailments and I'm always looking for new ways that I can recover right better. And I'm a big fan of compression socks and I'm, a, you know, really value foot strengthening and, you know, got into a conversation with one of your representatives there and they, you know, mentioned you and I was like, really? Oh, I definitely have to have her on the show. And then I started following some of your content and yeah, this is going to be super valuable for all the runners out there 
that are all the topics that we've talked about, right? And even if you wondered, and I would love to get your take at the end about, you know, barefoot running and, you know, some of your thoughts on that and, you know, why it was so popular and then kind of not as popular uh, nowadays. And we can kind of talk about that. But, you know, if we can even just get into in your you know, mind when it comes to, you know, let's just kind of focus on running right now. And we can obviously extrapolate that to other activities and other sports, but for runners specifically, you know, where do you see the importance of foot stability? Yeah. So my three pillars for overall foot function is optimal foot mobility, sufficient sensory stimulation. And then the third is going to be sufficient foot strength. So strength, sensory, and uh, mobility. The strength part is really based off of the repetitive transfer forces that are happening within the foot with every step that you're taking, right? So you're running, um, doing running versus walking is everything is obviously on a single leg. You have no double limb support. There's higher ground reaction forces. Everything is happening faster. So the foot strength is really how the energy is being transferred. If your foot is strong, but it is not fast, then you will not be able to transfer impact force as well. So when we think about foot strength and foot stability, to me, stability is required for strength. So they're kind of synonymous. It has to be rapid stabilization. So when I teach foot stabilization, stabilization exercises or foot strengthening exercises. They're very isometric based. They are rapid based. Uh, one of my go-to exercises for increasing foot stability and strength is short foot. Short foot is kind of doming or pushing your toes down into the ground, but I don't want it to be a you know, push your toes into the ground and hold for 10 seconds and relax. And then do that for 10 repetitions, three sets. So it becomes a very kind of a traditional reps and set based uh, exercise. I want it to be integrated. I want your feet to be contracting at the same time that your pelvic floor does and your deep core muscles. Also at the same time as your diaphragm is exhaling. So I, I want that strength and stability to also be stacked or integrated. And then I will want it to be, like I said, rapid. So I want you to quickly contract your foot with your core and then relax it very quickly because then that's actually transferring to the demands of running. And it's actually functional stability versus this isolated concept of foot stability, which is really where traditional podiatry kind of sits. Love it. I love it. So integrating it with kind of, that rapid contraction that's needed as your foot hits that ground quickly, we have to stabilize that foot in pretty much like microseconds, right? Um, and then we're transferring our weight from whether or not you're a heel striker or a midfoot striker, and then to kind of toe off in um, you know, your forefoot and make sure that we have enough stability there to push off a rigid lever, right? And be able to propel ourselves forward and hopefully get faster as runners, like all runners wanna get. Um, mm -hmm. So that's great. I love how you talked about the speed there. Now, would you start 
if you were starting, someone was starting at the beginning point of doing that short foot exercise that you mentioned, would you start with slower contractions so they can develop those mind muscle connections from a motor control standpoint? Um, or would you start already like trying to activate quickly? Yes. Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways that you can think about short foot and foot to core integration or foot to core sequencing and strengthening is I will do it as a form of activation in the movement prep. So let's say you're doing your warm ups, um, light movements, maybe some SMR or foam rolling, you know, something to get your breathing going, stretching, whatever it is that you're doing. I then want you to be doing a few repetitions of foot tripod, spread the digits, push the toes down. As you push the toes down, lift the pelvic floor and exhale. So it's you know, like a five second activation and then relax everything and then do it again and then relax. You're doing that five times per side just to sequence these neuromuscular connections. Then if you're doing anything else, like maybe a few squats, you can integrate it into a squat. So it becomes a activation technique in a focused contraction way it becomes a way to create stability during a larger movement like a squat, right? Mm -hmm. And then it becomes something that could be done on its own in more repetitions. So a box jump. And as you land on the box, you rapidly contract. So it, 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 I know it's a little hard to kind of translate with the, on a podcast, but I definitely encourage people to dive down that rabbit hole of short foot and foot to core programming because it's so powerful but it becomes more of a lens through which you look at movement, which means any exercise that you're doing, whether it's swinging kettlebells on the non-run days or on your cross conditioning days is as you swing the bell, I need you to be doing short foot on the upswing of the bell because you're creating a strong foundation with your center of mass and how that coordinates with your breath. So it becomes everything integrated into your programming, into your activation, your movement prep, your lower body training. So it's, it becomes just really infiltrated. And that's why it's a little bit difficult to say this is one way to do it. No, I love that. And I love how you, you really spoke to the progression and trying to tie it to function, right? So for runners, if you're going to be doing a functional, you know, exercise, something like a reverse lunge or explosive lunge, or, you know, any really kind of reciprocal movement, based exercise that you're doing some type of marching with the kettlebell and you're reaching up to the ceiling that you are translating that foot activation. And last question on this foot stability, just because I am very interested in this and then we'll kind of move on to kind of a, a different topic, but is, do you find that eventually folks will not have to think as much once they kind of learn how to activate they add those progressions that you talked about that they're integrating that contraction into their function and their, you know, various exercises or movements, and then it becomes somewhat automatic. Yeah, that is the ultimate goal. So when I teach a patient or clients, which is shifted a little bit now, partly because of COVID, but as my career has shifted that I now train the trainer to, to do it, but it is 
me. So just picture me training you and I am cueing very consciously, toes down, toes down, exhale, exhale, exhale. So it's very conscious, conscious, conscious. You do that enough times, conscious programming repeatedly or repeatedly is then eventually going to become subconscious. So I'm forcing you to be present and aware of the movement pattern and your foundation and your feet so that yes it does become uh reflexive or subconscious and that you could see by let's let's take gymnasts again as an example right that in the beginning of a gymnast even if the listeners don't know anything about gymnastics just imagine that you would have a gymnast and you're like okay point your toes point your toes Right, you gotta right. look pretty. Point your toes and finish the line. Right. Eventually, you are not cueing that to a gymnast anymore. It becomes automatic. So, like as an example, if I were to jump and grab a bar, I would subconsciously, reflexively, not even think about it. My toes would point because it's so programmed into my nervous system. But the other layer that I would want for me, for the gymnast, for the runners even, is that as I'm jumping to grab the bar, my toes reflexively point or my ankle does. What was happening at the same time is I'm actually contracting my foot. I'm contracting my foot and I'm contracting my core. So that's the second layer of the reflex that I want people to realize is actually happening during a joint movement is there's this strong subconscious muscle contraction or fascial tensioning response that is pre-programmed into your nervous system. And that, that's what I try to do with short foot. And I've done that with many, many runners so that they are running and they know that their foot is contracting and stiffening to load and unload impact forces very efficiently. And they don't need to think about it because technically it's happening so fast that you can't think about it. If you are trying to stabilize your foot or contract your foot when you're running, it's impossible. It's happening way too fast. You can't. And it's one of the things that I see in so many of my patients is they try to walk conscious and slow it down. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. Walking and running is by design subconscious. So oh, I need you to, to break it. it down and do the single leg stance, single leg squat. So every time the runner is doing a single leg squat, that's where you're focusing on short foot, foot to core, exhale as the toes go down. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh my goodness. Um, couldn't agree more. And I really love that aspect of the progression and that it does become automatic. And I think of this, we talk a lot on the podcast about um, knee pain as well, because that's kind of very common in runners. And a lot of runners I see with like runner's knee, IT band problems, it's because they have no clue how to activate their deep hip external rotator muscles. So mm -hmm. I find like the short foot muscles similar to those like deep butt muscles that no one knows how to actually activate and control. And we find a lot of weakness in those muscles. And I have the same approach with those muscles, learn how to activate it first, find out where they are. And then you need to progress from a simple clamshell exercise to exercise where your foot's on the ground, like it is when you're running. And now we're learning how to control that knee position by using that activation. And then when you're running, you're not thinking like, 
like you just mentioned with the, you know, the intrinsic foot muscles to, oh, contract my piriformis, my deep rotators. Let me contract, contract, right? It, it's just happening now because we know how to use those muscles. And I just love that approach that you have about the body because we can extrapolate that to many other muscles as well. And so you kind of covered the stability bucket and having enough like activation strength, which is amazing. Love it. I can never get enough foot stability uh, conversation, as you could tell. But I'm really intrigued, honestly, because I even haven't had a lot of training in the area of sensory stimulation. And I know that is a big belief system of yours. And you kind of mentioned as like that second bucket, besides mobility, I think a lot of people know about mobility. And we've talked about, you know, joint mobility versus like, muscle length and soft tissue mobility before in the podcast, but sensory stimulation, we have never talked about. So if you could, um, can you just describe what that means and then how you utilize it to actually help someone with their foot pain? Absolutely. So we can think about sensory stimulation as the sensory information that our body perceives as it relates to the external world. So there are four main sensory input systems that help us to control our movements. We have our eyes, we have our ears, which is vestibular, but it's also auditory, so sound. So you actually get two bonuses out of one with the ears. And then you have your joints, which is proprioceptive or proprioception. And then you have touch or tactile, which is going to be mechanoception. Now, the one that probably the listeners are the most familiar with is proprioception. It gets thrown around the most is that people say, I'm doing proprioceptive training because I sprained my ankle or I had, you know, maybe an arthroscopy to my knee. So now I'm going to do some proprioceptive training to strengthen the nerves around the knee, right? So when we think of sensory and the control of movement, the two that I focus on the most is going to be proprioception and mechanoception. Now for the listeners, the biggest difference between that, because they're confused a lot, is that mechanoception is going to be tactile or touch. These nerves or uh, sensory input system is on the palm of the hand and the bottom of the feet. So the skin and the bottom of the feet is mechanoceptive and it's reading very specific information that your joints don't necessarily read. Now the input that you read from the bottom of the foot, there are four main input systems or four nerves, which is texture. I'll talk about Naboso in a second. Mm -hmm. It's texture, skin stretch, so if you're using something like kinesiology tape, that's stretching skin or even traditional athletic tape. And then the other two nerves are sensitive to low frequency vibration and high frequency vibration. So vibration, what vibration is, is impact forces. So every time your foot pounds the pavement or pounds the ground that you're running on, you are experiencing impact forces as vibration. So that stimuli or understanding that it's actually vibration that's entering into your nervous system is important to help you to understand, well, oh, what happens when I'm on other surfaces or I put cushion in my shoes? How do I use vibration, right? So it's a really, really powerful 
sensory stimulus to the feet and to the nervous system. The other really powerful one is texture. And that's what we focus on at Naboso. But I'm actually going to say that it actually isn't really texture. What it is, is it's two-point discrimination. And what that is, is just think about Braille. So Braille dots, right? Go to an ATM that's on every ATM, right? And take a look and you'll see the little Braille dots and they're very specific distances from each other. And there's certain heights, right? There's a, a uniqueness to that stimulus so that your nervous system can read it. That is two point discrimination, right? You're feeling two points and saying, I feel two points. If they were too close, it would be like a big blob. If they're too far away, I mean, that's just too far away for your nervous system to create any sort of acuity around that. So all of the Naboso products are based off of that science. And what it is, is it's saying, okay, all of our products have these tiny little pyramids. For those that are on YouTube or actually on yes. uh, Facebook Great, as well, you. they could see that there's little pyramids on all of our products. That's the neural ball. Here's our socks. There's little pyramids across it. The pyramid is creating a point. And then the distance between the pyramids is very specific to activate the same effect as Braille. Okay. So that's two point discrimination. That is a very powerful stimulus to the bottom of the feet and the palm of the hand as well. So when I'm helping runners and patients and really anyone in any of my education, the two stimuli that I really focus on is two point discrimination and vibration because they're so powerful to the nervous system. They are mechanoceptive. Proprioception is going to be like a wobble board, a Dyna disc using a BOSU. You're standing on something that is unstable and it's making your foot go from one direction to the other direction, which is stretching the tendons and the ligaments and creating a stretch reflex almost within that tissue. That's a different type of stimulus to the nervous system. So I'll just kind of let it there to allow that to, to sit a little bit on how I start mm -hmm. to look at sensory stimulation, feet and movement. Yeah. And do you know, has it been shown that those that have pain, so we're going to say any injury, right, is going to cause pain, can pain signals block some of the sensory stimulation? Like I know pain signals can block muscle activation, right? And sending that kind of efferent input down to our muscles to be able to activate and use them and we get muscle inhibition. If anyone thinks about kind of the classic of, or even if you've had Achilles pain or any ankle surgery, right? You think about if you were in a boot, a walking boot, like your calf muscle atrophied away, like it's half the size as your other calf, right? Same thing happens at the knee with the quads. If anyone's had ACL surgery or any type of knee surgery, um, does the same thing happen with some of these other inputs that you're talking about? Do you know, do, are they, I guess, um, do they get inhibited when we have pain or an injury? Uh, well, so one way where I could say that you will see inhibition is or denervation and atrophy is chronic use of supportive cushioned shoes. You can actually see an atrophy or a denervation to the intrinsic muscles in the bottom of the feet. Other research studies showing that chronic use of orthotics and rigid arch supports that are essentially doing the work of your foot 
which is what the shoe with the cushion is doing, is doing the work of the foot, that you can see atrophy of those intrinsic muscles. Um, some other injuries that you can see is um, different types of plantar fasciitis, a Baxter's nerve entrapment, which is a differential for plantar fasciitis. You can see denervation of the intrinsic muscles. So those are some of the, where you could start to see, okay, this lack of stimulation. Now, what we do at Nobosa, what I've seen um, anecdotally with some of our users is plantar fasciitis, um, neuromas, other itises within the foot is that they will bring in our insoles or our socks, our neural ball and say that they now feel that their foot is more supported. So they don't feel that same pain. Uh, we've also had some painful neuropathy find that the stimulus of the naboso blocks the, the pain trigger from the neuropathy. So um, hopefully that's starting to kind of get to what, what you're saying. What I look at as the muscle atrophy that you were saying with the calf or the quad is the intrinsics in the bottom of the foot. And as soon as you start to get atrophy in the intrinsics in the bottom of the foot, you have now created a inherent loss of stability, which you love your stability. So you've lost the stability in your foot. And because the deep foot muscles actually connect to your pelvic floor and your deep core muscles, I'm now dealing with someone with a destabilized pelvis. So you now have knee pain, hip labral stress, SI joint pain, adductor spasms, groin pain, go every direction if you want to go distal or proximal to the pelvis of other issues that could be transferred from that. So I'm all about intrinsic foot and I'm very much about intrinsic core muscles and how they have to both be functioning and connected. Yeah. So kind of talking about how those muscles are part of our like feed forward or our postural control system right? Mm -hmm. Where there are those muscles that are activating first or should be um, prior to kind of moving, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Hey, healthy runners. Have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself. That is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one -on -one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one -one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one -on -one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library 
and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted healthy runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today you're utilizing just to kind of bring a full circle with the sensory stimulation, you're utilizing sensory stimulation in order to improve the activation of that foot core. Yes. So the way that I look at programming and then I want the listeners to think about it, maybe it's the New Yorker in me <laughs> is that hey, I'm, I'm originally from like, New York as well. I just got to get to point Z right away. Like, come on, the clock is ticking, right? Yes. We need to like get cracking. Yes. Right? Life is short. <laughs> Let's activate more effectively. So that's the way that I look at the Naboso products. Um, we have mats. Um, so I would say if you are doing movement prep and you're trying to wake up the feet and activate the feet, I got to get you out of your shoes before you're running. So I call it barefoot before shod. Shod means with shoes on. If you're doing barefoot movement prep, I want you on a surface that's going to wake up your nervous system even faster or more effectively which means I either need you on a harder surface, like a hardwood floor is really the best or dirt, grass, natural surfaces, right? I don't want you on a um, wrestling mat or on a soft squishy mat or your living room carpet. I want you on something harder. And then ideally on top of that is that if I had you on a vibration platform, so I am all about whole, whole body vibration training, I would want you on a vibration platform for at least five minutes before you're running. So it's waking up your nervous system. Um, and, or I would want you on a Naboso mat and you're doing your short foot, foot to core movement prep on that mat. So you're, you're just kind of going through what you would do anyway, but you're just upgrading it by saying no shoes, activating surface. Right. Okay. Love it. Um, so we're really kind of waking things up and I, I, everything that you described there, that was literally me. So just to give you my backstory with, um, orthotics is I got put in, you know, basically semi-rigid, rigid orthotics when I was a PT student by one of my professors and, mm -hmm. you know, I used them for literally probably 15 years straight, um, and I noticed like literally I could not even activate any foot muscles. Like I literally, you know, I have, I've shared this on the podcast where I have a bunionette deformity. So it's kind of like the bunion, but of the fifth toe for those listening. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my toe goes in, I literally couldn't abduct my toe at all. Like it didn't move. It was like a fixed deformity. And I'm like 30 years old at the time. And I'm like, I literally can't move my toe. Like that is sad. 
right? So, and I was getting other problems and my foot mobility was just locked up because I was always in my rigid orthotics and I was always in my supportive shoes because I thought that with my foot structure being slightly overpronated from a structure standpoint, when you look at my alignment statically, I thought I needed to support my arches, right? And I've really seen the value in getting out of rigid orthotics. And I will just caution any runners who are listening to this right now. And it's like, oh my goodness, I should be wearing my orthotic. Um, that's not what I'm saying. And there is a progression that you need to go through, especially if you've been in them for a while. And don't just go from like orthotics to like straight up barefoot. And then definitely don't try to do that and, and try to run. Um, so there is a progression. I've been kind of gradually weaning down this the type of material in my inserts and then really going to when I'm not running, not being in the orthotics. And then now I've progressed that. Thank you, COVID, when my gyms got closed and I had to work out mm -hmm. in my living room, I tried working out barefoot. And so you'll see like half of the videos on my YouTube channel are like me barefoot. Um, not that I've ever tried that before COVID, but I really saw the value in that. And mm -hmm. I really felt, you know, once I was able to go back to my gym where I was now wearing, you know, zero drop, lower profile shoes, um, for my workouts, as opposed to what I used to do of where the most supportive shoes possible for those workouts. So everything that you described, like I've literally kind of lived that and saw the atrophy in my foot muscles from being too supportive at a fairly young age, we'll call myself young now at 42. Um, so, you know, I want to be able to run till I'm literally in my nineties, right? Like I'm in the box and you know, I want to know the best ways I could do that. And, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is, I, I think, very important for runners to hear and to hear about how their bodies work and how we need to actually utilize these muscles and not always just look for the quick fix, where I feel like a lot of people will go to the, the brace or the orthotic or, oh, that's the shoe I should be wearing. Let me just wear that. And then all my problems are going to be taken care of and I could just run. And because runners just love to run and they don't want to do sometimes the other ancillary things that's important as we age to keep us healthy. And that's what we're all about here on the Health Runner podcast. So thank you for sharing that. And um, can we, I did mention Bunyanet. So I would love to go down the Bunyan route because there are many runners out there who have Bunyans. They've probably been told they need surgery for their Bunyans. They've probably been told so many things, right? Maybe they shouldn't run because they have this bunion. It's going to get worse and their toe is going to look terrible and they can wear flip-flops. I don't know, whatever they've been told, but how can we, or is there a way that you can prevent the progression of bunions where you may not need surgery one day? I would probably say that bunions is one of the most, not controversial, but poorly understood according to social media <laughs> and everyone has an opinion about bunions. So I try to be very, um, very clear about my directions, directives around bunions. So the thing with bunions is truly understanding the size of the bunion that you have. And do you have a true bunion? So a majority of bunions are associated with an unstable foot. Now, is it mildly unstable? Is it unstable because there's ligament laxity? 
Is it unstable because of muscle weakness, whether that's in the foot or that's in the glutes? So I, I, I want to first make sure that there's this understanding of the bigger picture of what's contributing to the bunion in the first place. Now, let's say it's it's a moderate bunion. So you have the deviation, there's a bump, there's a prominent bump. Maybe you got a little bit of a dropping of the foot, creating a little bit of, of laxity. The biggest concern with bunions is that you're starting to deviate off of the cartilage. So you're losing what's called joint centration. A center joint is a beautifully aligned joint with great space and perfect or ideal range of motion, right? So you have good cartilage interfaces. As soon as you start to lose centration or you deviate off of the joint surface, which is classic in a bunion because the one joint surface is going one way and the toe and the joint surface is being pulled in the other way. So people on the YouTube can kind of see that I'm drawing something with my hands. So that deviation is starting to set up this degenerative or cartilage wearing down process. That's where I do get a little bit concerned with bunions, especially with runners, because every time you flex through your joint, you are progressing it. <laughs> so whether you walk a lot or you run a lot or you're doing both, you're just repeating the number of flexions that are stressing the deviation off of the cartilage. So if that is the case, I try to look at things like toe spacers, and I know you've mentioned this offline, that mm -hmm. toe spacers to try to move the toe over to try to center the cartilage so that we do not accelerate the rate at which we're wearing down that joint. That's an important part of bunions, right? Is I have to think about that joint surface. What is the health and the alignment and the cartilage state within that joint in that individual at this moment in time? Then I can say, okay, where are we at as far as uh, prevention, slowing down progression? Do we have to have a surgical conversation? Just where are we, right? The other part of it is making sure that the, the foot is staying strong it's doing short foot, it's using sensory stimulation such as naboso or walking around barefoot. It's just making sure that those intrinsic muscles are being activated because that's part of how you control the first MPJ or the great toe joint. So that's part of that. Um, I would say that if you are at a point that we have good joint space, you still got good cartilage, you are strengthening the foot and then you are using something like toe spacers and you're doing this consistently and it's become part of your lifestyle, then you can push pause on the progression of the bunion. Pause, not rewind. <laughs> right, okay? so you're not going to get rid of it. Rewinding is yeah. very different, right? Um, the part of bunions that I think is the most misunderstood is that people will gauge a bunion's progression based off of the deviation of the big toe. That's not the bunion. The bunion is actually in the middle of your foot where the metatarsal is opening and spreading away from the other metatarsal. So it's called an intermetatarsal angle. And that angle between the first and the second metatarsal, which you can only see on x-ray, <laughs> it's only on x-ray, mm -hmm. right, is 
how I grade bunions. I don't do it based off of the deviation of the big toe. But if you do say I use toe spacers, I'm doing strengthening, I wear wide natural footwear, everything that is amazing that you should be doing, and you notice that that toe is sitting straighter now, that's good. That's a clinical presentation of the foot that is kind of aesthetic based, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that you reverse the bunion because the bunion is that joint angle. Um, that joint angle cannot be reversed without surgery. So you want to create stability to prevent that metatarsal from swinging out even further. Um, so I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Um, the biggest takeaway on that is keep the foot strong, use the toe spacers, keep the foot flexible, still try to get that sensory stimulation to create a balance so we can pause it. Love it. And no, thank you for that clarification. And you brought up a lot of great points there. Um, if there is someone listening to this is, you know, and you are in pain, number one, you know, getting an expert to be able to, you know, properly diagnose your specific condition, because not all bunions are the same. And, you know, take your clinical presentation and determine the best plan of care for you, right? Best course of care um, for your problem. And I know you mentioned toe spacers. I think I probably counted three or four times during that one question. So what is this deal with kind of toe spacers? What are the benefits of toe spacers? I love toe spacers. Um, I actually was recommending them to patients for years and was like, if I'm recommending these so much, I think I should just start selling them through Nabozo. <laughs> so, we, right. so we then started selling them. And this is actually one of our new ones. So this is one of our new spacers that we're launching April 4th. We have um, a different blue version if you go to naboso.com and look. But what the toe spacers do is this would go onto your foot. Each of these thicker uh, pieces would sit in between the toes. So it'll spread the digits, creating toe space. The way that they work is that by having something in between your toes and spreading them acts kind of like a splint, which is giving a mechanical advantage to your intrinsic muscles. Most hammer toes and toe imbalances, including bunions, are a imbalance between our small muscles in the foot and our large muscles in the leg. So the muscles in the bottom of the foot are called intrinsics. The muscles in the lower leg are extrinsics. So it's a extrinsic intrinsic imbalance. So using toe spacers gives a mechanical advantage to the intrinsics, supporting proper digit function. Now that's not all. In addition, because they are stretching and spreading the digits, you are stretching the small muscles and the fascia in the digits, which can open up the foot. It supports lymphatic flow, circulation. It's awesome for neuromas. <laughs> so you're opening up the foot, which is great. Another awesome benefit is that your plantar fascia, which runs from your heel into all five of your toes, it actually inserts into the base of the toe 
when you stretch your toes wide, you actually stretch your plantar fascia. So I will use toe spacers as a benefit for those with arch pain, arch fatigue, plantar fasciitis, even Achilles tendonitis, because your plantar fascia technically connects to your Achilles tendon. So you can stretch that as well. So it becomes a very powerful plantar fascial stretch, forefoot stretch, open up the foot up from neuromas, stretch the hammer toes, stretch the bunions. Uh, and then for someone who may say, I don't have neuromas, plantar fasciitis, hammer toes, or but I don't, my foot is balanced, right? Then I'll say, you know what? Everyone still benefits from supporting your push-off position. So if you want to optimize the lever that you referenced earlier, which is really the most important position the human foot can achieve is a lever, which is the calf raise position, right? So you want to have a strong lever where you're going across all five MPJs. So you're across all the met heads evenly and you're rolling through all of the digits and you have beautiful follow through. That's what contributes to efficient movement, graceful movement. Um, sorry, you can tell I love toe spacers. I can talk about these. <laughs> no, I love it. And do you recommend wearing the toe spacers um, only when non-weight bearing? Or is this something you can wear to walk around it or stand? All the time, all day, okay. every day. If you want, you can go running in them. You can do your yoga, your Pilates. You can wear them to work, whatever it is. Now, what I will say just as a warning is if you're new to using toe spacers, don't put them on your foot and go for, you know, a 5k, 10k run. Like don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to try them on first, start them just at night, wear them maybe 30 minutes, get used to them and then walk around throughout the day with them, maybe do a workout in them. Workout means not running workout. And then if you feel comfortable, then transition into a shorter run, et cetera, and then progress. The reason why I say that is that for some people, it feels a little bit kind of funky at first, right? It's just kind mm -hmm. of weird. And I've seen people kind of pick up the foot earlier because it feels weird to roll through the spacers through a full roll through pro, uh, propulsion, propulsion. So I want to make sure that you're not subconsciously picking your foot up faster and then changing your gait cycle. Um, so that's just one thing that I warn to the runners is progress into them. Yeah. So like anything, just having that natural kind of progression, you know, the body is going to respond differently to any stimuli we give it and definitely positioning the toes into more of where they should be positioned. Um, especially if you wear really tight fitting shoes, um, at work and, um, you know, being able to splay those toes, I think, like you said, is so important in terms of muscle activation and alleviating pressure, whether it is from neuroma pain, um, plantar fasciitis, all of those kind of benefits. But that's really nice to hear that your product, the Naboso product toe spacer is somewhat dynamic and it's not kind of firm and rigid where it's kind of, cause I've seen some toe spacers that don't move at all. Like if I try to stand or walk on them, cause I've tried that before, if I need to like 
grab some water because I needed to hydrate before a race. And I want to like stretch out my toes to like, you know, kind of feel nice and recovered and fresh before my race the day before it would hurt. So it's really, I'm really interested to try out um, the Neboso toes phasers and, you know, see how they feel with just standing. And yeah, I will definitely follow your advice and make sure I progress in a, a nice, you know, slow fashion and not just go out there and try to run in them right away. Um, but I'm really excited to hear uh, how dynamic and that you can use them for function. So mm-hmm. that's uh, really, really excited. And I know you mentioned Neroma and we actually had this question on our probably about five episodes ago. It was like an Ask Dwayne kind of episode. And I got the question about Neromas and we never really have done a deep dive on the podcast about Morton's Neroma. Um, so I figured I have the expert on, why not do a little follow-up that to that uh, mm-hmm. in some of the questions I answered, but how can the Nervoso products, I know you mentioned toe spacers, kind of help someone who is battling that Morton's neuroma? Yeah, so to understand the neuroma, I'm sure you went into it and all the li- listeners listened to that episode, right? Of the neuroma being that ball of scarred nerve tissue um, typically happens when there is insufficient splay <laughs> of the foot. So you are starting to pinch or irritate the nerve bundle, which is the neuroma, the nerve bundle. So if you are trying to get pressure off of the nerve bundle, you need to allow the foot to open up. So that's the splay, right? You're supporting the opening up and the spreading. The other way that I often find that neuromas can occur is that it's because the foot is not stabilizing fast enough. And I'll explain this and if it's confusing, I apologize, but there's this timing that happens through the foot that as you transfer into the lever or you roll forward, which is the position that activates the neuroma is when you're rolling forward, that's what triggers it, is in a foot that is insufficiently stiff or stable as it's rolling forward, it's kind of, loosey goosey putting pressure on the front of the foot where you actually want it retracted. So the fascia and the connective tissue actually pulls back and it creates this tensioning effect that allows the foot to spread and not pinch this neuroma. So that has to go back to the timing of the stabilization of the foot. All of the Nervoso products act off of sensory stimulation that is faster at creating this tensioning response, the stabilizing response within the body. So if you feel the ground faster, this is all subconscious, you can then create tension stability and this retraction that you need so that you don't pinch it and irritate the the neuroma. So that's where we find that a lot of the um, Noboso products do benefit. Another part of it is that what our socks specifically, we're doing a research study with them, is showing how it supports foot circulation or what's called perfusion. So a big part of itises, a neuroma is really a form of an itis because it's an inflamed uh, nerve bundle, right? So there's inflammation that's around the nerve tissue is to clear the the body of this inflammation is you need circulation support. So the toe spacers create circulation support by opening up the digits, but our socks and our insoles 
support circulation through the textured stimulation actually creates a microvascular response. Um, and it's actually demonstrated through thermal regulation that you could look at a foot before and after and actually show that the temperature or the, the heat, which means the circulation is getting all the way to the tips of the digits much better than without that circulation support. And this is in normal, healthy individuals. It's not a diabetic or someone who has circulation compromise. So I look at it as a sensory driver, a circulation supporter, and then with the display, you're actually physically opening up the foot. That That's where we find the benefit with neuromas. I love it. And I could attest to, because I have been using your socks since I went to conference, um, and I found them very helpful, especially after my long runs and or whenever I'm feeling really tired from like faster running, speed work. Um, so my kind of uh, little recipe here, and I just did this yesterday, no, Saturday, I went for my long run, um, was, you know, you get home, you're like, you know, sweaty, whatever, hop in the shower, and then I put my socks on while I'm having my recovery drink, while I'm making a nice breakfast, because I like to go in the morning, and then you just you know, get a nice New York bagel, right? You, you know, get get a nice breakfast going to really replenish and fuel um, after my long run. So I'm wearing my socks and then I can do maybe an Epsom salt bath um, after that for a little recovery. So I've really, really enjoyed the, the socks. And I, I feel like they do actually, they're definitely stimulating sensory. That's for sure. <laughs> um, like those triangles that you kind of mentioned, um, or pyramids, um, you, you feel that like right away and you're like, Whoa, this feels interesting. Like that was like my first impression, you know, this is interesting. Am I going to like be able to tolerate this walking around? And mm -hmm. then, you know, I just love wearing in my kitchen, like kind of walking around cooking and everything. And then I got the compression ones because I just love compression as well. Um, so I've really enjoyed uh, utilizing them. And I do feel like it almost enhances, like granted, do I know, but or it feels good and that it is helping to stimulate some of that recovery process after our runs. And I can see it really being beneficial even when the weather gets, you know, a lot warmer and, you know, it's hot, humid weather out there um, after runs. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I can also add for the neuromas is that if someone does feel that they've tried to release the foot, maybe they've tried the splay, um, the insoles, the socks and things like that, is that there is a percent of neuromas that are, um, you know, just a little bit more on that elevated. They're talking a little bit more than they should. I am a full proponent of you know, if you do need to see a podiatrist and have an injection, whether it's alcohol or some sort of radiofrequency ablation or cryoablation, just something to help it a little bit further. Um, there are these outliers that do need a little bit more oomph behind them, and then they can start to look at some of these other products. But even when in my practice, if I see a large neuroma that is very inflamed and I do either a series of alcohol injections or I start with a steroid and then do a radiofrequency ablation, whatever it is, I'm then also saying, I need you to use the toe spacers every day to open it up. I need you to be releasing your foot. I need you to be wearing wide toe box shoes. I, I'm a, 
a huge fan of metatarsal pads. So I'm doing a very holistic integrated program as well with everything. Um, and if any of the listeners are saying, well, you know, I use orthotics because I've had really, really bad plantar fasciitis and I'm very scared to go away from these custom orthotics, then we say that's okay, right? You could still wear the socks and then be in them, or you could put the Naboso insoles on top of your custom orthotics. We're just trying to say that what are you doing in addition to what is unique to you to enhance the sensory side of foot function. And that's where I do want the listeners to see that you don't have to completely change everything that you're doing and switch over here, right? You might be good and solid in your hokas with all the cushion, which is okay, right? There's a time and place for hoka, but what if we add in some sort of texture stimulation to keep that foot engaged while you're in that shoe or on that orthotic? Um, so that's a big part of what I advocate as well through my practice is the ideal environment, which is minimal and barefoot and sensory, but then there's reality. Right. And that reality is how do I bring as much of this into your unique reality so that we can benefit from it? And that that is individualized to every um, every person and every listener. But the more you can start to sprinkle it in, even if it's a little bit right, like you're you're walking around in the socks after you go for a run. That's awesome. Right. That's you saying I'm getting a good 30 minutes probably of sensory stimulation to my feet. So I'm passively recovering my feet so I can keep doing what I love to do, which is run. Yep. Love it. Love it. And yes, I like the, they brought up the point that everyone is individual and, you know, depending upon your experiences, depending upon your level of fitness, um, strength wise, foot structure, condition, pain levels, irritability, right? Like there are so many variables that we use as clinicians to determine like best course of action for you. So I'm glad that you brought that up, that it is individualized. And if you could um, share kind of, um, I would love to hear your thoughts just because I'm kind of curious of the whole, like you mentioned the barefoot craze and the five finger shoes and, you know, why are they not as popular nowadays? And what are your thoughts about barefoot running? Yeah, so I am very much an advocate of natural foot function, which means I am going to look more at less structured shoes. I personally would rather be entirely barefoot working out in the gym. Um, since they know me, they don't mind <laughs> that I'm barefoot, but <laughs> doing something like squats and lunges and kettlebells and you know whatever lifts that I'm doing, that is really the the prime time to take advantage of either being barefoot or extremely minimal because you are not dealing with rapid acceleration of vertical ground reaction forces right so that's where it could be this great time to focus on natural foot function and foot strength great okay then we had the barefoot running boom which was the five fingers and the free and the born to run and everyone was confusing barefoot running with a midfoot strike, but really they were kind of synonymous in the way that people were using them. Um, I am an advocate of a midfoot strike pattern because it's just based off of biomechanics of 
the, the human body and spring mass theory and how we transfer load. So I'm much more of an advocate of midfoot strike running, which requires a certain type of shoe, like a stack. You can't have a large drop to properly do a midfoot strike. So that's what I'm a supporter of. If someone can do true barefoot running, which means absolutely no shoes and they're naked foot running with a midfoot strike, that's awesome. That's a very small percent that are going to do that because the foot types and the discipline to progress to something like that is just very unique, right? They're, they're like a 1%. Now for other footwear, I do, again, typically favor a natural wider toe box, um, less cushion, less heel toe drop. So if I could put everyone in more like a transitional shoe, that would be great. The Hoka's and the, the New Balance foam, and it's very trendy now in the running space to have cushion. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. trendy. Yep. I was at the running event uh, in December of 21 and every shoe out there is very well cushioned. It is just the trend. It's a maximal shoe versus the minimal shoe. In fact, there was only one minimal shoe company at the running event and that was zero shoes. All the other ones were maximal. Um, I find it very interesting. It just shows the trend that footwear, footwear is very trendy. Um, mm -hmm. Ultra marathon shoes are now trendy for all distances. <laughs> right. Hoka really drove that one. Hoka is really the one that you, you know, give credit to for that one. Um, the only concern I have with that is that it does create a sensory disconnect between the foot and the ground. So if someone is wearing them and they love them and they swear by them and they have no running injuries and they feel awesome then great. I don't want to change anything from that. Right. But I would just say, could we at least consider trying or being curious about having the Naboso insole? So your foot stays awake and connected and feeling and engaged. And it's part of the party and it's talking to your core and your glutes, right? Because that's just the way that your foot is designed to function. And all shoes, even minimal shoes, do create a sensory disconnect between the feet, the ground, the nervous system, the brain. And it's, it's just so powerful in how we actually function, um, which if you're not willing to do that, okay, can you at least recover with toe spacers and release your feet? possibly on the neural ball. Like, could you, could you give me that <laughs> at least right. to keep your foot engaged and connected? Right. Yep. So I think really at the end of the day, it's about balance. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, where do you find your balance if you are happy in a certain environment? Right. I, I love, I love your thoughts there. And I, I, it really resonates with me because I, personally have been through that journey and I shared on the podcast probably last year at this time I did an episode on kind of heel drop and what is heel drop and talked about how I was gradually decreasing my heel drop in my running and but the key and I think kind of you nailed it right on the head is that most of us are not patient enough and like that you know one percent of runners like you mentioned could never have the discipline to go slow enough to actually fully transition to barefoot running. And the problem with the barefoot running craze was 
everyone born to run. Oh, that's what I should be doing. And everyone did it wrong because they never had the discipline to actually back off of their running to slowly progress in a fashion that their bodies could actually adapt to because mm -hmm. they all went from, you know, wearing really supportive shoes and, you know, their lifestyle to now I'm going to try to run on this as opposed to our ancestors who were literally walking around barefoot and never wearing shoes all the time for their whole life. And now we were, you know, fast forwarding, you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and now you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to wear shoes. Okay, let me run, right? So that's not how our bodies work. And I think that does really explain why it hasn't been as popular because unfortunately, we did see a spike in injuries. And we saw a lot of people, you know, suffering from pain because they weren't disciplined enough to allow that kind of progression that you speak of. And, you know, that's one of the things I've been working on. I transitioned from heel striker to a midfoot striker probably like six years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that now, and have gradually been weaning down my heel drop, have gradually been weaning down the stability in my shoes. Um, and I would agree with you in terms of feeling the ground, how important that is. And even when I do my jump training, my plyometric training, you know, I'm not taking my, you know, high stack shoes to do those. I'm taking my zero drop now and lower stack height shoes when I do my plyometrics because I actually am not trying to cushion the foot and my body from hitting the ground. I'm actually trying to feel the ground. So I use my muscles to actually decelerate and pop mm -hmm. back up. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do as runners to be most efficient, to get faster and to actually utilize our muscles. Um, there at the conference that actually I met Nabosa at, um, there was actually a presenter, um, Scott Greenberg, who's actually going to come on the podcast in a couple of weeks, who Bigfoot guy, um, you know, works for University of Florida and has done a lot of research with the foot. And he was presenting some new research that, you know, shows that the higher stack height and the higher cushioning shoes actually increase ground reaction forces. Um, to the body when running. And, you know, most people think I'm going to wear these high cushioning shoes to absorb impact and it takes stress off of my joints. When in fact, we find that a lot of the cushioning actually increases the forces that go through our joints because our bodies are not reacting and adapting to the surface, kind of what you're speaking to, because we can't feel it, right? We don't feel it. So then you're hitting the surface harder. So now you're getting more ground reaction forces up through your joints, when in fact, your rationale might have been to say, hey, I'm going to have this high cushioning shoe to decrease stress to my joints. But now your body's not actually feeling the ground when you hit it. So you're using less muscles. Um, so it's very fascinating uh, to hear that and to kind of think about. Um, but I think it, it really is, you know, it, it, it's consistent really with your, what you've been talking about all uh, throughout today. And, you know, I can seriously probably talk to you for hours, but I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time and our listeners. And we don't want to make this like a five hour podcast episode, but um, let me just really recap for everyone uh, because you shared a lot of great information. Um, you know, Dr. Emily here really shared, you know, the importance of foot stability for us as runners and, also the importance of stimulating the sensory system and how that can be powerful at decreasing some of our pain, how it could be powerful at activating our muscles and adding that sensory stimulation that most of us, quite frankly, don't get a whole lot of if you have a sit down job or if you're wearing shoes that don't allow you that sensory stimulation. Um, and then we kind of really did kind of deep dive and you shared a lot of great 
um, examples of bunions and how to treat bunions and how to classify them. And then we went into Morton's Neuroma and you shared a lot of great things there. And then toe spacers. And then, you know, the Naboso product line and the ball and how that's going to help stimulate. We talked about the mat. We talked about the toe spacers. Um, so I'm sure there are many runners who really resonated with a lot of your messaging, because I know I do, um, and your approach to the foot and movement. So where can our Healthy Runner community um, best connect with you? Yes. So for any of the Naboso products, the website for Naboso is N-A-B-O-S-O. -O, so Naboso.com. Uh, we are on Instagram, which is Naboso underscore technology. And we try to always educate through that platform. Also, you get fun information on promos and webinars and other fun stuff that we do. Uh, my personal Instagram is at DREmilyDPM. So DREmilyDPM, very educational based. Um, I love to educate. So I put lots yes. of out there. Uh, and then my podiatry practice is just my name. So it's probably easier for them to look at the, the show notes to see that, but it's just uh, dremilysplickle.com. I do see patients all around the world. I do virtual consults well before COVID. I was always doing telemedicine because uh, it works really well for the way that I shape my practice. Uh, and then I have a YouTube channel, which is probably easier for you to go to YouTube and search Dr. Emily Barefoot, and you will get hundreds of videos of me teaching exercises, explaining foot injuries, Lots of great stuff out there. Yeah, it's a great YouTube channel. I was checking out your short foot uh, video um, on your YouTube channel, which is everything that um, Dr. Emily really described to you guys today. You can check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, very informative um, with extras. I'm big kind of sharing education and content and exercises. Um, and I just love your channel as well. So make sure you guys go ahead and follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow Instagram. Uh, you got some great reels there as well. So I love uh, watching your reels and a lot of your educational um, content that you have there. And then do you also have a little special reward for our healthy runner community if they were I to uh, go ahead and check out uh, naboso.com? Yes. So if you use code healthy runner, you will get 20% off. So healthy runner, 20% off. That's on all of the products. We do free shipping. Uh, we do free 30 day returns. So if you're curious and you're just kind of intrigued, uh, it's definitely something that people need to try. I'm sure Dwayne, you could attest to that with the socks that you, Indeed, it's hard to describe them without experiencing it yourself because texture is so new to people's uh, system. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I am a big fan of the socks and I'm really looking forward to trying the toe spacers and the ball because I've had different foot rollers before. I have like three in my house, like literally like every room. Um, so I'm really um, interested to try the ball because the ball looks awesome. And I love how it moves in different directions. So it's like triplanar multidirectional um, as opposed to just a foot roller that's only moving in one direction. So I'm very excited to try it. Perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much, honestly, for, you know, accepting my invite, sharing your expertise. Like you just dropped so much knowledge um, for us. And the foot is so important um, for us as runners, especially. And I look forward to, you know, learning more from you, honestly, on all of your channels that you talked about. 
Um, so I appreciate you coming on the show today. Of course. Thank you so much. I hope the listeners leave just a little bit more curious about the feed. That's my goal to create curiosity and appreciation. And I'm sure that goal was certainly met. So for you guys who've been listening all along, whether or not you're listening, you know, during your run on the podcast, um, watching the video version in our Healthy Runner Facebook group, or on the Spark Your Training YouTube channel, I appreciate all of you. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to Dr. Emily's YouTube channel, as well as follow her on Instagram. Uh, remember, every week we go live and do these podcast episodes. Um, so check out what's going to be happening next week in our events tab within our healthy runner Facebook group and jump on here on the live. Thank you for everyone who did attend the live today and your comments. You got a lot of positive comments on um, they're looking forward to trying uh, some of what you have. And, you know, they're very grateful for the knowledge that you shared with us today. So we appreciate that. And thank you guys. As always, remember, let's stay active, let's stay healthy, and let's just keep on running until next time. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkyourtraining. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one -on -one structure, accountability, and support, from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.